My wife Alicia and I recently watched a very funny, but please note, not kid-friendly movie that was called Hector and the Search for Happiness. The movie tells the story of a London psychiatrist who has a breakdown, quits his practice, abandons his girlfriend, and jets off on a global tour in pursuit of happiness. Hector's journey takes him from the nightclubs of Shanghai to the Buddhist monasteries of Tibet, to the savannah of Africa, and finally to the home of an old flame in Los Angeles, at which point he realizes that happiness was right in front of him all along back in London. It's a classic story propelled by a profound human longing, the longing for personal fulfillment. And it exposes an important truth that's hard to come by. When we set out to find fulfillment, we don't actually know what we're looking for, do we? This fall, fall, we're asking the question, why church? Why in a world filled with so many paths to personal fulfillment would we choose the church? Today we're going to answer that question in a way that pushes back against the established wisdom of the world we live in. Why church? Because it is only in and through the life of the church that we can find true fulfillment as human beings. Only in the church can we learn to become fully human. Carl Jung once said the following, your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside, dreams. Who looks inside, who looks inside, awakes. Now that statement captures much of how the world around us thinks about fulfillment. The gospel message promoted by our world is that we find fulfillment only by successfully venturing down the path to self-discovery. Do you want to know who you are, why you're here, and what will make you happy? All you have to do is look inside yourself. Identify your deepest desires and pursue them. Then and only then will you find fulfillment. Only then will you become fully human. Now our society has become so deeply committed to this belief that we now encourage 10-year-olds to choose for themselves to take life-altering hormones to delay the onset of puberty in order to start the process of gender transition because when they looked inside themselves, they discovered a boy trapped in a girl's body. This is tragic. Gender dysphoria is real. It is painful and incredibly difficult to navigate for parents and for children. But the solution is not to allow children to disfigure themselves. The solution is to walk patiently beside them, loving them fierce, fiercely, leading them gently, and setting clear boundaries appropriate to age and maturity. Any society that allows a child to poison her own body is deeply and desperately confused about what it means to be human. But what does it mean? to be fully human. If not by looking within, how do we find fulfillment? Well, the first thing we need in order to answer this question is the picture of the kind of life we're looking for. So I want you to flip over to the first chapter of the Gospel of John, which 
famously begins in the following way. It's on page 886 in the Red Bibles. John begins his gospel this way. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John then continues in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John's introducing us to Jesus by explaining that he's the eternal Son of God who is present and active at the creation of the world and who chose to become a human being, flesh and blood like us. Another John, John the Baptist, baptizes Jesus later in that first chapter, and he says to the crowd in verse 29, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. He then concludes, this is the Son of God. At the outset of this gospel, we are introduced to Jesus, not just as the eternal Son of God, but as a man a human being, just like you and me. And John is very quick to tell us that Jesus is the true and perfect human being. Later in the New Testament, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, puts it this way. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What John, the author of the gospel, believed, and what John the Baptist believed, and what Paul believed, is that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's the only man to ever walk the earth filled with all the fullness of God. He is the picture of true and perfect humanity. If you've ever been to a Lego store, you know that the highlight of the visit is the display case, where all of the most complex and creative kits have been put together and placed on display. So even parents who detest Legos because the soles of their feet have been mutilated by them, even those parents can't help but appreciate the intricacy and even the beauty of the 7,500-piece Millennium Falcon when it's all been put together. And it's a great sales tactic as well, isn't it? To look at a picture on a box is kind of intimidating. To look at a completed model, that's inspiring. We all love perfection when we see it. And once you've seen the way a thing is meant to be, it's difficult to accept anything less. Jesus is the picture of human perfection. He shows us what it's like to be fully human. He is, of course, more than just a perfect human being because he is God as well. But part of what he came to do when he took on flesh and dwelt among us was to show us what it looks like to be perfectly human, to live life to the full. Want to know what a full and perfect life looks like? Look at Jesus. He came not just to die for our sins, but to show us how to live, to show us what it looks like to be fully human. 
I said earlier that the false gospel animating our post-Christian world is that we find fulfillment only by venturing down the path to self-discovery. The gospel presented by the church is that we find fulfillment only by looking to Jesus Christ. While the world says look within, the church says look up. Now we all know how important posture is. Our parents drill this into us as kids. Shoulders back, chin up, stop slouching. And they do this for good reason because over time, you know, posture becomes permanent. If you live your life bent over, there eventually comes a point when you can no longer put your shoulders back because your thoracic vertebrae are locked in place by the muscles of your neck and shoulders that have grown accustomed to that downward sloping curve. The same thing happens spiritually. When we spend our lives looking within. So when you drop your eyes to look inside yourself, to focus within, your chin follows, your shoulders slump, your back curves. It gets harder and harder to look up, even occasionally. And then you know what happens, the pain sets in because you weren't designed to live this way. But if you spend your days looking up to the God who made you, to his son who embodies human perfective, your chin will rise up off your chest. Your shoulders will shift back. Uh, Your back will arch into position. Your entire body will be properly aligned and you'll be inspired by the picture of total perfection before you. Why church? Because it is only in the church and through the church as it stewards the mysteries of scripture that we get a glimpse of humanity in all its fullness in Jesus Christ. And it is only in Jesus that we see the kind of life that we were made for. But a picture of perfection isn't enough. To take Jesus' life as a model for our own and to try to emulate him in every way is an exercise in frustration. Because at the heart of the Christian understanding of what it means to be human is this painful truth that we are deeply broken, enslaved by sin, and incapable of living life in all of its fullness on our own. We can't simply be like Jesus. So how do we become fully human? Not by struggling to be like Jesus, but by being united to him by faith, first in his death and only then in his life. And this is where the power of the true gospel becomes clear. Not only did Jesus come to show us what it looks like to be fully human, he came to invite us to become fully human by being united to him by faith. As Jesus says in John 10:10, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. We see how this works in Romans 6, where Paul reflects on the symbolism and the significance of baptism. So I hope you'll flip over there with me uh, in the Red Bibles. You can find it on page 942. So have you ever wondered what the water in baptism symbolizes? The most obvious meaning is that it stands for washing, for cleaning, for purifying, and that's true. The water does symbolize the washing away of our sins, but that's only part of what it stands for. The water also symbolizes death and burial. So the most traditional form for baptism 
is full immersion, getting dunked. When John started baptizing people in the Jordan River, he didn't merely pour water over their heads. He took them by the shoulders and he held them under the water. That's a little scary for good reason because being held underwater symbolizes death in the grave. It's a burial of sorts. And that's why Paul says in verse 3, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In other words, when you're baptized, you are dying to yourself, dying to your own will, dying to personal ambition, dying to the sinful patterns that define your way of life in order so that you can be set free. This is what Paul explains in verses 6 and 7 when he writes, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. The world says that fulfillment is found on the path to self-discovery. In Romans 6, Paul says that the road to fulfillment begins by dying to yourself. But that's only the first step. In baptism by immersion, you don't stay underwater forever, thank goodness. You come out, and leaving the grave behind, you rise up to new life in Christ. As Paul says in verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. He continues in the same vein in verses 8 through 11. He says, now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now notice that the resurrection life that Paul describes, it's not just in the future. It's present as well. He explains this in a slightly different way in Galatians 2.20 where he writes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus isn't just a picture of the perfect human being whom we admire from a distance. He's the perfect human being who invites us to share his perfection here and now and forever as he joins us to himself. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul can say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And the new that comes into our lives is the life of the resurrected Jesus. Earlier in that same letter, Paul explains that when we are united to Jesus by faith, he works by the power of his Holy Spirit to transform us into his image, to take on the glory that he possesses so that we look more and more like him in the perfection of his humanity. So Jesus isn't just the model of a perfectly human life. He's the means by which we can experience true fulfillment not by following the path to self-discovery, but by venturing down the road of death and life in him. 
Jesus is our hope, not just for life after death, but for life here and now. Why church? Because we have the answer to the world's deepest longing. It's only in the church and through the church as it stewards the mysteries of Scripture that people can see Jesus and learn how to become fully human once again. Now the world has seen lots and lots of false pictures of Jesus. From Jesus the stern moralizer, to Jesus the white supremacist, to Jesus the Marxist revolutionary. We need the church because it's only here that we can get a picture of the true Jesus as he reveals himself in scripture. And it's only here in this picture of Jesus that we can see the life we're invited to share as human beings made in God's image. It's only here that we can respond to Jesus' invitation to be united to him by faith and experience life in its fullness. So the church, the church is a refuge for true humanity. Where can I find fulfillment? The world answers that question by saying, look inside yourself. The God who made us answers this question by saying, look at my son, but do not simply admire him, join him. Be united to him by faith and experience what it means to be fully human. The church is the only place in the world where we can experience truly abundant life, not just in the perfection of heaven, but in our present experience here and now. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, may we see you clearly the full and perfect Son of God, the full and perfect human being. But may we not just admire you, may we be united to you by faith. May we be drawn into your death, rise to newness of life, and live life to the full, abundantly through the power of your Spirit at work within us. And Lord Jesus, may we faithfully reflect your glory to the world around us and present a true picture of who you are as we follow you together. We pray this in your name. Amen.